Welcome, folks, to another edition of Opinions All Day. And this week, I will be covering can Joel Embiid win MVP again, back-to-back? But can he lead the 76ers, the Philadelphia 76ers, to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time? Can he get it done? The Lakers continue to tailspin out of control. They are not a very good basketball team right here, right now. LeBron and AD are playing very, very well, but they are not winning the supporting cast. They were hoping was going to be the answer. Has not been even close. They need, and I'm going to say it again, they, they need Kyrie Irving. I'll get into that in a little bit. The Phoenix Suns are in serious trouble. I know they're winning a few games. Uh, they've won five in a row recently, but man, oh man, oh man, they are in trouble. Are there any trades they can pull off? I'm not sure they can. We'll get into that. And why the Miami Heat should avoid Donovan Mitchell. I've been hearing a few rumors around the internet, social media, and the Miami Heat don't do it. And I don't believe they will because Donovan Mitchell is not a winning player and his playoff success or lack thereof represents that. But I start off the show with the latest on the Chargers coaching search is Jim Harbaugh, a lock. According to leaks, there was no like there's been no official statement from the Chargers. Like the leaks that have come out, contract leaks of Jim Harbaugh getting the job, 18 million. I've heard that number, you know, floated out there. And these type of situations with rumors and that Jim's here, he's over there. He's going to make, according to Adam Schefter, a decision later on this week. At the end of this week, we will have an answer on what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. Until we hear official words, Jim could do anything. He could go to another team that we're not talking about, that we're not thinking about. Like, there could be, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know off the top of my head. I know the Patriots are open. I know the Raiders are no longer open. Antonio Pierce, which is good for us because, like I said, they just took a gamble on a coach that won, what, five games and only coached seven total games in his career. So good luck Raiders on that could work out, but hopefully not because screw the Raiders. But when we're looking at Jim Harbaugh and that's the coach that I've been campaigning for, I've been campaigning all since before the season started that if Brandon Staley heading in had a bad year, he didn't meet the expectations 
which were playoffs, won a playoff game or two, and instead 5 and 12 happen. You need to go out and make sure Jim Harbaugh is the coach. He's a tone setter. He's a culture changer. He shapes minds of players. He makes them perform at high levels. He's a risk taker. I mean, think about it. He put in Colin Kaepernick as his starting quarterback in the middle of the season when Alex Smith, who former first-round pick, top pick in the draft, he was playing pretty good with the 49ers. There was really no reason to yank him. I mean, overall, sure, was he not the greatest quarterback on the planet? No. But Jim Harbaugh went into that season with the Super Bowl on the horizon, and he pulls the plug and says, we're going to put in Colin Kaepernick, and they go to the Super Bowl and almost win the Super Bowl. Remember in that game in New Orleans when the power went out, when Beyonce knocked the power out, (laughs) and then the Ravens went on a controversial play, which, you know, I don't really know if it's controversial or not. It depends on who you're rooting for. I mean, don't really care. But 49ers fans will say it's controversial. But Jim Harbaugh, but he turned that franchise around, which was not meeting expectations. They were having losing seasons. They had a good roster, good enough roster, and they weren't getting it done. And when Jim came in that building, they reached three straight NFC Championship games and had those battles with the Seattle Seahawks teams and the Legion of Boom. And they were in those games each time. The Chargers have not had a decent coach. The last three coaching fires and hires, we've had Mike McCoy, who was the first-time head coach, who was a disaster. And what have I said with first-time head coaches and the risk you're taking is that you have to give them enough time to build their program. Because while it's frustrating waiting on a rookie head coach, they got to establish themselves. They're not going to turn around in year one because they're learning how to do the job. So you have to give them year one, you have to give them year two, and have to give them year three for being fair. We need a veteran head coach. Mike McCoy. First year, made the playoffs, 9-7, and seven, lost in the divisional round. Second year, 9-7. and seven. Third year, 4-12, and 12, and they actually brought him back. I forgot about this. Because, you know, he, it was such a, the last two years were a mess. He finished 5-11. and 11. Fired. Not, um, Anthony Lynn gets hired. 9-7. and seven. Okay. 12-4, and four, boom. Won a playoff game. Lost to the Patriots. Next year, 5-11. and 11, Disaster. Should have never brought him back. Horrible season. And then 2020, 7-9. And then Anthony Lynn gets canned. And then we got Brandon Staley, 9-8. and eight. Okay. 
progress. Could have made the playoffs in year one. 10-7 and seven in year two. Lost in that stupid wild card game. Bone crushing loss. To that stupid team. To that stupid team that also missed the playoffs this season. Kind of, you know, makes me feel a little better. And then this past season, of course, 5-12. and 12. Brandon Staley fired. We cannot give another first-time head coach. I know, you know, these talking heads like to push the typical first-time head coach candidates like your typical offensive coordinator, like Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson's probably a really nice guy. He probably is. He's probably a smart head coach, probably a great coordinator. He can probably coach on offense very, very well. But I'm not interested. I'm not interested in giving a head coach, giving a coach their first opportunity and having to give them two, three to two years and then, you know, you're selling me a product. And I said it over and over again. You're selling me a freaking product, and I'm not interested in being sold something. So don't sell me a product. The Chargers cannot go through this process, and they, they said that they were going to go through a wide net of coaches. They're, they're going to cast a wide net. They've done that. They've interviewed, uh, you know, they satisfied... The Rooney Rule, they hide, they've they interviewed Patrick Graham from the Raiders, the JV Raiders, Steve Wilkes. We're not hiring Steve Wilkes, okay? We're not. He's really never had the opportunity to be a head coach, and I don't want him to be with us. I don't, I'm don't. i not interested in freaking Dan Quinn. I've heard that name. I know he was interviewed a couple days ago. Hell no, not interested. People bring up, well, you know, he reached the Super Bowl with the Falcons. Well, by accident, because Kyle Shanahan was his freaking offensive coordinator. Matt Ryan was playing out of his freaking mind. Like he, him and Julio Jones. Julio Jones that season was unconscious. He was like on another planet. He wasn't on Earth. I mean, he was on a planet, but wasn't on Earth. I mean, he may not even be on a planet. I mean, he was playing freaking out of control that season. And Dan Quinn's defenses were... Not very good his time in his time with uh, the Falcons. 17th, 21, 25, 20. No, 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 no. Those are Brandon Staley numbers. We're not interested in going through that again. And I don't give a shit if Dan Quinn's coached the Legion of Boom. Is Richard Sherman coming with him to the Chargers if you hire him as a head coach? Earl Thomas, all of these guys. Are they? Is that defense coming with him? I don't think so. Ben Johnson, is that running back duo coming with him to the Chargers? We have the quarterback. We don't need a quarterback. Is that offensive line coming with him? No, they're not. He, We need a higher coach that can work with the players we have. Not some first-time head coach who, offensive coordinator who worked with someone else's groceries. And also, in the meantime, you're, you're having to put training wheels on them. Like Eric Bieniemy. I uh, No. No. Is Tyree Kill coming with them? Are some of those Washington receivers coming with them? No, they're not. 
They're not. He needs to be able to work with Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and those guys. And also run the team. Hell no. I'm not. No, he's never done that before. If he wants to be our coordinator with Jim and Jim as the head coach, sure. But no, not as the head coach. Dan Quinn, no, I, I don't even want him as my defensive coordinator after that shit show we all saw last week with the Cowboys. No, that looked like Brandon Staley. That's who that reminded me of. That was giving me PTSD of what we just dealt with with Brandon Staley. Whose defenses were not prepared to play in big games. They busting assignments left and right. Overhyped. I think the Cowboys defense was overhyped the whole season. Because when they played a good team, they got destroyed. So no, do I want Dan Quinn and, I, and people can try to sell me that he's on that he's some defensive genius? No, he's not. Routinely in big games, his defenses beat get their shit beat out of them when they play a good team. When they play a shitty team, they they win. They look good. It's kind of like Brandon Staley because we good because we look good against uh, the bad teams like the Jets, the Bears. We knocked them out. We put up points on the Vikings defense. We you know, we, we we beat up on the bad teams. But the good teams that could, that were competent, even Aiden O'Connell, he looked good in both games, looked really good in the second one. That finished Brandon Staley off. But when we played against these good teams, good decent offenses, like competent quarterback. They put up points on us. And that's a culture. That requires a culture change. Like what culture is, is Eric Bieniemy bringing in? What culture is Ben Johnson? Like what's the Ben Johnson culture? We need someone that understands how to establish a culture. A first time head coach doesn't understand that. And that's what people need to understand. And we also need a high-quality GM. How about we hire a GM from a franchise that's been able to have sustainable success, not one-hit wonders? Like the 49ers. The Eagles are always good. They've had different head coaches, but they're, they've been pretty stable. Let's don't hire guys from, you know, the Cardinals or the Giants or, you know, whatever, the Falcons. No, no, no. no. They, all those teams suck and they make horrible decisions. We've made some questionable, well, we'll get to, bit, get to it in, in later on. We've made a lot of bad decisions, financial decisions that have screwed over this team. So, and more than likely, we're going to need to work with the guys that we've had. Like, we're going to need someone that's going to be able to work with Justin Herbert in the offense to make sure they don't take any step backs. If Mike Williams is coming back, they're going to need to figure him out how to best use him because the last couple of coordinators that have come through here. Whether it's Joe Lombardi and his shitty offense, he could never find a way to get Mike Williams consistently in the game. 
There were there were patches where he would play well, but it was never consistent. He would, pl- he would have two good two two good games in a row where he has over a hundred yards and a, I don't know, a couple touchdowns. Then after that, it turns into five games of uh, where's Mike Williams at? Like where was Mike Williams today? Did he play in the? Oh, he did. Oh, he only had huh two catches for twenty yards. No. And then the other factor is he's always hurt. There's always some type of season-ending injury with Mike Williams. And do you want to continue to keep paying him? Because his contract, and we'll get to it in a second, it's going to kick in. It's going to take us for a ride and hit us right between the eyes. Like it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks, these contracts. And you got to base off the production. So... Who can work with Mike Williams? Eric Bieniemy as the head coach, and also more than likely calling the plays. Uh, seriously, that's not going to work. That's not going to fly. And also, if Bieniemy, you hear about all these rumors and stories that were coming out with the Commanders, Washington Commanders, that he was. <laughs> A jackass. He was, you know, he was a tough guy. He's an old school type of coach, not jackass in a bad, bad way, but like, hey, it's I'm the gonna I'm I'm gonna be the commander of the room, and that's what he did. And a lot of players took it the wrong way. Well, you know, when you're the first time head coach and you're gonna yell at a veteran like that, like, oof, because more than likely a first time head coach is coming on. Some of these veterans are probably gonna stay on the team. Like, they're going to want some veterans in the locker room. So guys like Joey Boza, who I am not a fan of, you know, there is a chance he could be back if we hire a rookie head coach. And I'm not interested in Joey Boza being back. Like, there are a few guys that I'm not interested in being back because their production has not been very good. Like, Austin Eckler. We all know about his comments. I don't want him back. Like, we need guys that can draft we need guys that can come in and bring in an offense that's stable, be able to work with guys like Keenan Allen. I mean, if Isaiah Spiller is going to be back, they're going to need to find a way to use him. And also, we got to find a way to get the run game going. We need to have a run game. No matter what offense we run, no matter what scheme it is, because everyone likes to make a big deal about the scheme, I don't give a damn what the scheme is we need a coach that just brings a culture of toughness and Jim Harbaugh is about that he's about bringing in toughness establishing your mentality and establishing the idea that we're going to run through a wall and we're going to beat the shit out of you that's what we're going to do We've been a team that's relied more on we're going to pass the football, we're going to throw it all night, we're going to get these big yards. But that, like I said, heading into the season, we we can't, the passing game can definitely be your, your most deadly weapon, but it's not going to work every game. It's not going to work every game. Some games, your passing game is not going to have it. So you've got to be able to run the ball. 
and our offensive line, and I know, and I did it myself heading into the season. I overhyped it because I thought it was going to be, because Trey Pipkins played pretty good. Now, if you're looking back on it, he had a low bar. He had a low bar, and he was doing minimal work to get another con. Like, he shouldn't be back, for example. Trey, like, most of the, in my opinion, like, looking at it realistically here, majority of the offensive line should not be back. Because they all suck, ex- except for Rashawn Slater. I mean, Corey Lindsey's gone. He's retiring. So we got to draft a center. That's what we should do with the top five pick. Now, I don't know if there's a center that's really going to be good. I mean, I know there's. I've heard a couple of rumors of moving, moving some guys around, but, like, do I trust Zion Johnson at center? Do I trust him? Not really. I don't trust anyone that's not named Rashawn Slater, and Rashawn Slater even struggled last season. He was not very good. He was not good at all. Like, he struggled. There were games, especially in that first Broncos game, the game that got Justin Herbert knocked out. Thank you, Brandon Staley. Rashawn Slater got destroyed that game. Vance Joseph and that defense were kicking our ass all afternoon. And pretty much any defense that had any semblance of a pass rush would make Justin Herbert's life miserable. That That's toughness. Offensive line, you got to have a mentality of not getting dominated by the man across from you. And we would routinely with Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, Brandon Staley, get bullied. We were the finesse team. Your passing game is not going to work every week. Your quarterback cannot be Superman every week. Even like these top-tier teams in the league that make the playoffs every year, they may not have the best running back on the planet because you don't need one. If you have a decent offensive line and you can just plug in a running back, you should be able to do that. If Joshua Kelly, that bad, and I know I've crapped on him, eh, he might be, but it's hard for me to buy in, hard for me to grade, really, because the offensive line has not been great. I mean, look at the injuries Justin Herbert's had. Last season, he had ribs, cracked ribs, a lung puncture, or some nonsense. I mean, it was ridiculous. This season, he, got, he broke his finger. This season, he knocked him out. He had a, what, what was it, a shoulder injury? I mean, it's ridiculous. The Whoever's the head coach needs to come in and have a a discussion about toughness. Toughness. And showing up at work every every day and getting it done. Like, what are you doing on Monday? What are you doing on Tuesday? What are you doing on Wednesday? What are you doing on Thursday? What are you doing on Friday? What are you doing on Saturday? And what are you doing on game day? All of that matters. And the where it starts is with the mentality of the front office 
who you bring in as GM, who you bring in as head coach. Because if your coach is not a leader of men, not a leader, a guy that can control the room and keep chaos, like, you know, we're, we hear these stories that Brandon Staley had favorites on the team. You can't have that crap. You can't do it. Maybe internally you can have your favorites, but you can't make it obvious in the locker room, and that's what reportedly he was doing. That's not a leader. We needed a guy that's no-nonsense, and Jim Harbaugh checks every box we need. We need a, a winner, and we need a guy that can control a room, that can control a locker room, and can demand everyone's respect, and he's not going to take any crap. That's what Jim's good at. He doesn't take any crap. He's going to be weird. He's going to be he's going to be driving people up up a wall. But his teams were always out there. His defenses were always good. He let the coaches do their job and he ran the team. Brandon Staley, his first time these first time head coaches, so the risk is we don't know what they're going to be like. They're going to be control freaks. The enemy could be a control freak. Brandon Staley was a control freak. Just do your job. Run the team. Jim does his job. My backup option, I've said it before, is Mike Vrabel. Bill Belichick, not interested. I've said it routinely, repeatedly. No, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want a 71-year-old head coach. I don't know. I mean, I know he's he's probably, I don't even think he's going to meet with us. I don't think we're interested. And that's good. Because I, I don't even want a meeting with him. He can go to the Falcons and build whatever Patriots team he wants. I don't want it done here. We're trying to win. We're not trying to let Bill, Bill Belichick, you know, do experiments. Like, no, I'm not interested in being his experiment project. No. Mike Vrabel, not my ideal option as head coach, but his team's Checks a major box. They were always prepared to play, and they were tough. The problem with him is his offense is ugh. Now he was stuck with Ryan Tannehill, and they never really had a quarterback with the Titans ever. Still probably don't have one. I know the new guy is not bad. But they played, but against us, the Chargers, in both games recently, they were ready to go. Last year, there were... Tough game. It was 17-14. to 14. They were in the mix. This past season, Ryan Tannehill played very good. They were tough on defense, made enough plays. They show up to work. He does a good job with under-talented teams and making them believe and making them try. He would just need to bring in a good defensive coordinator and a good offensive coordinator. That would mean, like, that would matter. Like, that kind of stuff, like, who you bring in as offensive coordinator would matter the most. That's where I would be concerned with Mike Vrabel because his offenses were never great. Now, they were able to run the ball, so that would be a plus. And, you know, when we look at these head coaches that are tough-minded, 
their teams always make the playoffs. Mike Tomlin, his teams, he hasn't had a quarterback in forever, <laughs> a, a competent one. He makes the playoffs no matter what. His teams are always tough. Jim Harbaugh brings that. He brings other stuff too. Other great aspects of, you know, having an offense that can score points and having a defense, having a team overall, a unit overall that can win games. Like, they're just going to come out with confidence and get it done. The Chargers, you know, Brand Staley, Anthony Lynn, Mike McCoy, they came out, you know, you don't know what you're going to get every week because that's the problem, that's the risk you're going to take with a rookie head coach who's never done this before, who's only seen it done from a coordinator perspective. That's the risk you're going to take. That's the risk. It's a risk. You're you're taking a chance on a on a product. You're taking a chance on a product. You don't know what's going to work. And everyone pretends that these coordinators, these, you know, offensive geniuses, defensive geniuses, everyone pretends like they're just going to be automatically good. You don't know that. You don't know they're going to be good or not. How do you know that? Please explain to me how you're obtaining that information. Where are you getting that info? Who's telling you that? I mean, seriously. Can we stop making stuff up? We don't know how good of a coach Eric Bieniemy is going to be. We don't know that. Anyone that's telling you that you should do this, like I've seen people this week, in the last couple of weeks since we've fired Brandon Staley the last month, I've I've seen people come on these TV shows and say some ridiculous things of who the Chargers should look at. Of you know when because when, the, the NFL teams are required to announce who they've interviewed, and you just read the comments on some of these, and it's like ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like you should do this guy because of X, Y, and Z. We're not in the business for a first-time head coach. You're just not. You're just not. We need someone, we need to change it up. And when Dean Spanos released that statement, he said they were going to review how they operated their team. You can still have long-term success. You don't have to do it a first-time head coach. Like, the, it's not always one plus one equals two. Sometimes you got to change it up. You got to change the equation up. And the Chargers, the last couple of... of Head coaching hires have stuck with first-time head coach. We're going to take this chance. We're going to give him three to four years and see what they do. No, you don't You don't have time for that, or you're just going to sit here and waste Justin Herbert's career, which has not gone off, gotten off to the start it should have. He's only made the playoffs once since being the quarterback. I mean, he's been stuck with Anthony Lynn, got stuck with the last year with him, 7-9, and 9-8, 10-7, 5-12. You can't have that. You can't have it. So get the head coach correct. 
Do I believe Jim Harbaugh will be the coach? Yes. The, the announcement he'll announce later this at the end of this week, reportedly, and we'll see. There's a chance that uh, he could go back to college. There's rumors about you know there's he wants certain language in his contract that Michigan may or may not be able to follow through on. Or he might just be done with college at all, which I believe that's what I've heard and that's what I've, you know, what I believe myself. So we'll see. I think he'll be the head coach this week, unless something dramatic happens. I would be, you know, shocked. I mean, surprised, but we never know. It's <laughs> with the Chargers, anything is possible. There's always that certain percentage of chance of something happening that we're not going to be pleased with. Like, who knows? We could wake up one day and Dan Quinn could be our head coach. Or Bill Belichick. And, you know, don't want any, don't want that. Or Eric Bieniemy as the head coach. Coordinator, sure. Head coach, eh, no. We need someone that has veteran leadership. Like if Mike Tomlin was free from the Steelers. If they didn't bring him back, I would have been fine with that. That would have been a great move. I'd been like, yeah, you kidding me? He's young in his 50s. Wouldn't mind that. So, Harbaugh's option number one. And then number two for me would be Mike Vrabel because of his teams, no matter what, no, no matter the circumstances, no matter their situation, they always showed up and did their job. That's what they did. And that's what you need when you're trying to win and have long-term success. That's how you do it. All right, so switching gears to... Should the Chargers trade the fifth overall pick? And I've seen this on social media the last few days of people bringing this up. Should we trade it? What should we do? First off, I'm going to squash this little narrative that we should trade the fifth overall pick and whatever else for, you know, a head coach. No, we're not doing that. You don't trade draft capital for a head coach. That's insane. That's so dumb. That's so dumb. You're not going to do that. If we did that, that would be beyond stupid. Like, that would be stupid on a new level. And we already do operate on sort of a flimsy beam <laughs> to say the least I mean with the Spanos family and you know and the GM that who knows who we're bringing in I said earlier that we should bring in a GM from an organization that's had long-term success not these short pop-up teams like the 49ers they've had long-term success the Ravens they've had you know long-term success they draft very well 
They know how to pick out talent to bring to your team, what your team needs. Now, similar to head coach, can they adjust to the Chargers situation? Because the Ravens' cap situation is not going to be the same as the Chargers' cap situation, which is another factor in this when we talk about trading the fifth pick, and that's why we shouldn't. Because we need either... I don't believe there's a top center, but we need to make a smart move with the fifth overall pick. There's a lot you can do. There's, you know, that receiver from LSU, Malik Neighbors. There's Brock Bowers. There's, you know, there's a couple of left tackles, offensive linemen, but I don't see any centers in these mock drafts that I've looked at, the minimal that I've done. But there's a move you can make. And I believe we should hold off on making any move with the fifth overall pick until we figure out who the head coach is and who the GM is. How about we do that? I don't, but I don't believe we should just willy nilly trade it unless it is legitimately going to benefit us. Like the, unless like the, in order to trade it, it has to be a benefit for the chargers. That's the only way we we do that. Like if we trick some team into agreeing to make a deal, make a bad deal, like if some team that's desperate, then okay. But no, that's the only way. Like if we make a deal and, it, and it's not good for us, then I'm not interested. We can't be doing that anymore. We can't be doing that. Like and also like just overall, whatever GM we hire, we've got to do a much better job at drafting. First round, Tom Telesco wasn't bad, but rounds three through seven were disasters. Guys of bad character, guys that couldn't perform, guys that just didn't do anything. Like the tight end position has been a road, like outside of Gerald Everett. He's okay, but he was drafted by someone else. Guys, we brought in Trey McKitty, Donald Parham, even. I know he's a fan favorite, but uh, they're not good. Stone Smart may have some potential, but he's never on the field. But the guys of Trey McKitty's gone. I mean, like, they just weren't very good. Like, we have not had, we, we needed, we need a tight end. Like, they had a, with Joe Lombardi. In 2021, we literally had Jarek Hook at tight end. And he was somewhat decent, which is sad to say. Because when Jarek Hook's your tight end, that's not a good sign. Building the team matters. So we got to make a decision. I mean, we're paying Justin Herbert. That contract we signed him to is going to kick in going to kick in in 2025 so he's going to make 19 million this upcoming year then 37 million in, in the year after that 46 in 2026 58 in 2027 and 71 million in 2028 oh. Oh. those are ridiculous numbers those are ridiculous numbers Running back situation, Spiller has two more years left. 
Everyone else, uh, Eckler is going to be a free agent. Joshua Kelly is going to be a free agent. Adios. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Keenan Allen upcoming is $34 million. Oof. Let's talk about him. Let's look at the year Keenan Allen had. He had a great season. He was the man didn't play the last couple of games because I think, why would you risk that? And I believe he's coming back because I, that's why the Chargers did that. That's why we did what we did. Because I believe whoever the head coach is, I think most head coaches would want Keenan Allen because he's been a consistent player with this franchise since he's been in the league. He's not the flashiest receiver. He's not going to blast home runs. He's not going to explode on teams visually, but he will shred you to death if you let him. In this season, he had 1,243 yards. He was unbelievable. He even had a passing touchdown, and he caught seven. He was the man. He's been the man his entire career with the Chargers. He was banged up last season with the hamstring. That's the risk you're going to take. He's getting up there in age. He's an older receiver. Whether we like it or not, do we want to pay him $34 million for one year? Or do we want, or is he willing to rework his contract? Who knows? He may not want that because I get it. Guys want to make as much money as they can, especially in today's economy. You want to make what you can make. I mean, I don't blame him. You want to make the money that you believe you're valued at. And, you know, I, I get it. I mean, I could see it from Keenan Allen's perspective if he feels he's worth $34 million this upcoming season. Personally, I think that's, I believe, and I love Keenan Allen too, but I believe you're taking a risk by doing that. You're taking a risk by signing older receiver, which that's what Keenan Allen is. He's an older receiver. And older receivers, like any other position, like I mean, in less time, obviously, like running back, they in a year three to four, they hit a wall, and you can tell. Quarterbacks, every player hits a wall. It's different. Quarterbacks hit a wall. Receivers hit a wall. Offensive linemen hit a wall. Cornerbacks hit a wall. Everyone hits a wall. At some point, you're not going to be able to do what you used to do. And Keenan Allen, you're better off moving off early than too late. Like Austin Eckler, people were hopping off the deep end about him getting a new contract, that he got to do it, he's a team player, blah, 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 blah. He does so much. No, you don't. You don't overpay for running backs. You don't freaking do it. You don't do it. Austin Eckler's situation wasn't even the same. His impact's not the same. If you're if you have a competent head coach, you can plug and play a running back. Yes, you can. If you have a competent head coach and a competent offensive line, you absolutely can. Look at all these past Super Bowl teams. I've done it before. Can you name the freaking running back? 
Can you name the Rams running back? You probably can't. Was it Sony Michelle? Was it Cam Akers? Who was it again? I don't know. Because they all they're interchangeable. And I'm not trying to diss the position because Christian McCaffrey's very good. There's a lot of good Derrick Henry. I like him. But if you have a de- decent offensive line, it's not a controversial take to say you don't need to overpay. And what happened? Austin Eckler wanted that big contract. We didn't budge, which was a good move by Tom Telesco. Thank you very, very much for not screwing us over even more. Could you imagine if we had Austin Eckler on the books for, I don't know, $10 million this upcoming year? It would make me sick because he hit a wall. He had a grand total of 626 yards, and he had a big year last season. And everyone was like, oh, no, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to cave. You got to pay him. You got to pay him. He's not in the same situation as Derrick Henry, who carries his offense. He's not in the same situation as Saquon Barkley. Totally different. If you take Austin Eckler off the Chargers, if we had a competent offensive line, it wouldn't skip a beat. If you take Justin Herbert, if you take the quarterback away from your team, no matter what, I don't care what people say. I don't care what people say about backups. Sure, Nick Foles played good for three games. And the big moments, which was insane about it, he did. He did that. He deserves a ton of credit, but long term, eh, doesn't work. Nick Foles is a backup. He is. He played very, very well in the big moment. He wasn't phased by it. But long term, he wasn't the answer with the Eagles. You need a star quarterback. Every team that wins has a star quarterback. We have a star quarterback, but you got to build around it properly. So you got to make decisions. At receiver, Joshua Palmer. I think he's a good player. He's a third-wheel receiver. He's not a one or two. Like, if you're expecting Josh Palmer to be a one, a number one receiver, he's not. I believe we could keep him. He's only going to make one million, just over one million this upcoming season. So I would consider keeping him. But also, he's one of those type of receivers he can just kind of find. But he's, he's, he's consistent, which I do like him. I wouldn't mind keeping him. Darius Davis, so far I've liked him. And whoever the head coach is, which I think will be Jim, if you're a smart head coach, you get Darius Davis football. Like I was pounding my face into the wall every week, demanding that Brandon Staley, Kellen Moore, use Darius Davis more. He's a game changer. He had that freaking punt return against the Jets that flipped that game. If it wasn't for that... Darius Davis pump return for a touchdown. Uh, with the way we were playing, because our offensive line was getting its ass kicked in by the Jets' defense. Herbert was getting rocked. We just made enough plays on special teams to get it done. But you got to get Darius Davis involved in offense. What What scores in the league? Toughness and speed. 
The Chargers don't have guys that are very fast. Mike Williams is not a fast receiver. Keenan Allen, great route runner, not fast. Joshua Palmer, not fast. Possession receivers. Darius Davis is fast. If you're going to draft a receiver, draft one that's that has some speed. That can make a game changer, a playmaker. Jalen Guyton's going to be gone. Like every, like no one else is really worth mentioning here for receivers. Tight ends, like I brought up, Donald Pariam. He's with us one more year. He's making one uh, over $1 million. At this point, he gives me like two good catches for a touchdown a year where you're like, wow, if he could just do that more consistently. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm at the point, and I know he's, he's had some health issues, but I'm, I'm like, I've seen enough. I'm like, how many more times are we going to do this? How many more times are we going to run it back with Donald Parham? Like, <laughs> with Donald Parham, how many more times are we going to do this? Like, I don't want to see any more of it. Like, how many more times? Like, I, he, Listen, I know he can't control the injuries, but he's never, he's horrible at separation. I have seen it over and over again when Justin Herbert were in the red zone or were trying to get a first down, and he looks to him rarely, but he did because he doesn't trust him. Like every time he throws it to him, the ball, he just has butter fingers, brick hands. He can't catch the football. That is a freaking problem. We've got to address the tight end position. Gerald Everett is okay, talented, but I don't know if he's locked in. I don't know if he's a winning player. I think he's very good. I think he's more worried about his brand than he is playing football, which is what we need to address too. We need to quit. This is not a country club. This is not a this is not fun. This is not get your friends big time contracts. Doran James. JC Jackson. No, we're not doing that crap anymore. We need to figure out the tight end position, and we need to figure out the offensive line like I brought up earlier. Corey Lindsey's gone. He's retiring. Trey Pipkins, we're going to owe him $8 million and $9 million the year after that. That's sad. That, like, that, 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 that is sad. That's even a reality that we're actually paying, that we're going to pay, because no one's going to take Trey Pipkins. No one should. We were morons. For signing him to that contract. <laughs> I said earlier. He, he did the bare minimum. The bare minimum. To remain. On this team. And we gave him. 8 million and then 9 million. That's dumb. Rashawn Slater. We're going to have to pay him. And he's going to demand. A giant contract. Coming up. Jamari Sawyer. He's still cheap for the next couple of years. He needs to step it up. Like, uh, quite frankly, I wouldn't mind if we moved it on for him. Like, uh, like I would not mind. Like, if, if we moved on from Jamari Sawyer, I think I've seen enough. Same with Zion Johnson. Like, I mean, 
I understand you can say, oh, well, you got to let him develop. Maybe Zion Johnson needs to move positions. Uh, you know what? He's never consistent. Like Trey Pipkins, the three Stooges, and I said it every week, Sawyer, Johnson, Pip- Pipkins, and then Will Clapp, who should never be back ever again. I believe he's a free agent, and he'll he'll be gone. Those three guys' jobs better be on the line in training camp because they're probably going to be back unless we go out and make some splash moves, which I don't know, if, like, with what. We can't trade for anyone unless we. that's why you got to be able to draft because we got to figure out these monster contracts. we got Herbert's coming up at $262 million. Khalil Mack is on the books for one uh, one hundred and forty one million. Boza one thirty five. Allen eighty million. Duran James seventy six. I mean, <laughs> we got to figure this out. Like whoever comes in as the head coach is going to have to figure out what to do with this contracts. Do we bring Duran James back? Because this past season, based on recent production, and listen, people will try to go back and try to, well, the last couple of years he was pretty good. Okay, well, this is football. This is not basketball. This is a physical sport. And the the health of a player, the quality of a player, changes dramatically. It changes very, very fast. It changes from game to game. It can change within a season, and they can change definitely from season to season when, you know, guys get hurt. Guys get hurt. Derwin James, he hits hard. He's aggressive. He was not very good this past season. And do you want to pay him $19 million this upcoming year? Do you want to pay him $23 million in 2025 or in 2026? Look at this, $24 million. You want to pay him that? Because there was game after game after game where I was like, Doran James, what are you doing? Like in the Vikings game. I mean, he got the whole secondary got shredded. He didn't like. If you're a leader, not not the question is leadership. But if you're a leader on the defense, the team on the captains on the defense, and you're looked upon, you got to keep guys accountable. Now I know he's been screwed over with the Lohe Gilman as his sidekick or JT Woods or whatever. I get it. The chart, I mean, he's got to get some help there, legitimate help. But you, himself, he hasn't been very good. He's not been very good in pass coverage. He's been not very good in run defense. Now with some of that Brandon Staley scheme, eh, probably. Probably was. But a scheme should not wreck or totally destroy a player's reputation. And right now, Duran James' reputation is, eh, didn't do very much. Wasn't good against the Dolphins. Wasn't good against the Titans. I mean, he had bad plays every week. But he looked good against the bad teams. Everyone did. You got to do better. So we need to think about whoever the new head coach is, the GM, they need to decide about Doran James. Khalil Mack, I know he had a good season. Set an NFL, a personal record. 
franchise records, eight sacks, you know, go down the list. He had all these great stats. But $38 million for the season, one more year. Do you trust that? And he's older. He's an old player. He's considered retiring a few times. Do we want to go down that path? Take that plunge? One more go around? Is he going to do what he did this past season? Do you think, legitimately, looking at Khalil Mack and how long he's been in the league, which would be, I believe, year 11 next year, do you trust he can go out there and do replicate 17 sacks? That is a mighty ask. And more than likely, that's not going to happen. Like, people need to, like, like I love when I hear these generic commentators who cl- clearly don't watch the team play act like Cleo Mack has been a monster for the Chargers the last couple of years, and he hasn't. Leading up to that Raiders game, he was doing nothing. He was doing nothing. No disrespect, but let's be real. Do you want to pay him $38 million? I kind of don't. Eric Kendricks, that was a waste. He's on the books for $9 million. Tooley looks good. We have, a, we have him for a while. Henley, he looked good in the flashes he's played in. Joey Boza, $36 million this year, $32 million the year after. And I have been on record over and over again. I don't like him. I think he's a loser. I think he has a losing mentality. He doesn't care enough. He didn't want to play for this team to begin with. Like, when you're having contract disputes before you even join the franchise, you know what? You're not serious. You don't want to change the fortunes of the team. You wanted to be instant oatmeal. You want to be like your brother. He went to a stable franchise. Well, Joey Boza, he's either... I know he can't control all the injuries, but he doesn't work hard enough. When he's on the field, when he's healthy, he doesn't do enough. Like he, I don't understand he has a couple go, couple of good games a year, and everyone flips out. <laughs> he has a couple, like he gets a couple sacks a year, and everyone flips out. And says, "Oh, look at that, Joey Bosa leading the defense, huh? Leading the defense. When has he led the defense?" When has Joey Boza led the Chargers defense? I like that's news to me. Like I'm I'm trying to wonder, I'm trying to figure out where people are getting that information. Joey Boza is leading the defense? No, he's not. No, he's not. He he didn't le- he ain't leading no defense. Joey Boza is the opposite of leadership. Like, whatever definition of leadership you follow or any of that, he's not a leader. He's not galvanizing a locker room. He's not motivating anyone to go out there and go knock someone's socks off. He's not doing that. He is the opposite. He is the type of guy that would... Get a selfish penalty in a big game, big playoff game. Oh look, he did that last year when he slammed his helmet on the on the field. 
like a moron. Making that collapse even worse. Like self-inflicted wounds and then some of the comments he makes. Even his attitude during press conferences. Like it's like, do you want to be here? Like do you ever work, like for folks that you know, work in an office, do you ever have those type of folks that you're like, <laughs> do you want to be here? Or do you have that one friend that you're not really friends with, but you're, they're always around and you're like kind of getting the vibe of, huh, I don't think you want to be here. Well, Joey Bosa, I don't think, to me, he's indicated over and over again to everyone that he doesn't want to be there. And for some reason, some of these people, these Charger fans, don't want to admit that. Like, like that for some reason becomes a controversial take. Like, based off of Joey Bosa's production, $36 million? No, I'm good. Now, now who's going to trade for him? I don't believe anyone would. I wouldn't, based on what we've seen on the field and what we've seen him not do and the injuries, like he's always hurt or whatever. I'm not taking that on. You kidding me? Like, he's, and much to be real, maybe some of these guys would be willing to rework their contract. Like, Khalil Mack might think about it. Now, from his angle, he had 17 sacks. You damn right it's worth 38. He has a better argument than Joey Bosa. But if I had to bet money on it, I don't bet. But Joey Bosa, he's never taken a pay cut. If the Chargers went to him for a pay cut, he would laugh in their face. He wouldn't do it. No damn way. Not a damn chance. Not a chance in hell he's taking a pay cut because he's not doing it. He doesn't care enough. He wants to get that bag and go on his merry way and not be bothered. He doesn't give a shit about winning. Not once. Not once. Like, and people, just because of the last name, because of his brother, try to pretend he's better than what he is. And then on top of it, you have all these dead payroll figures. We're still paying J.C. Jackson for 2024. And then Sebastian Joseph Day, who was, I mean, it's only $2 million just over, but it's a horrible contract. So whoever's the GM needs to come in here and clean it up. Clean the franchise up. Get it turned around. Get rid of all the all the punks in the building, all the losers, get them out of here. If you don't want to win, if you don't want to compete, then get out. Then we don't want you. We need to start having that mentality, and we haven't had that. We bring in guys that don't want to win and don't want to put in the work. We need guys that need to put in the work and... That starts with the head coach. And the only head coach I believe that can get that done in an efficient manner and quickly is Jim Harbaugh. So that's what we need to do. And we need to bring in a GM from an organization that has had long-term success and someone that's been in the position a few years, not some dude that's been like one year 
like he was an intern two years ago. No. Let's all do that. Let's all go out and hire the Atlanta Falcons water boy. No. I don't care. A veteran head coach is what we need. And we need to figure out a way how to address our roster disaster that has our cap situation, which is a disaster based on the results that we've gotten and the guys like Joey Boza, Doran James, Khalil Mack, who were Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, who we're paying a lot of money to. So a lot of tough decisions need to be made. Alrighty. So switching gears to the NBA. So Joel Embiid and the 76ers had a big win this week, knocking off the Denver Nuggets, 126-121. to Joel Embiid had a huge game. He's having a huge season. 41 points, 13 for 22, 12 for 15 from the foul line, 10 assists. Big game from Joel Embiid, Maxi at 25. Tobias Harris is, you know, listen. Just real quick here, to be fair, I've been harsh on Tobias Harris. I've never been a Tobias Harris fan. Now, he's played better this season. He deserves a lot of credit. He's showing up doing his job. I don't know what the hell happened with the Jimmy Butler era. I still think they made a bad decision. Jimmy Butler is way better than Tobias Harris, but whatever. He's playing better this season. He deserves props. I still believe he they, they made a mistake. By keeping you over Jimmy Butler. Like Jimmy Butler is way better. They the if if Jimmy Butler's on the 76ers, and I will go to my grave saying this, they would have won the NBA championship. If they would have stuck with it, not given Ben Simmons the, the barn and not given Tobias Harris the, the land, they would have won the NBA championship if they had Jimmy Butler. Look, Embiid and, and Butler would have been remarkable if he added another piece at point guard. That team would have been ready to go. Or another shooter. That 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 the seventy sixers have underperformed. Joel Embiid has having a great season. We know his personal accolades. We all know that he won MVP last season for the first time, when arguably he. Should be up for back-to-back, but he didn't. Jokic got it. It was debatable. People were on the fence about it. But when you look at these teams that can compete for a championship, are the 76ers one of those teams? They should be. Yeah, They should be. Because they're playing top-level basketball. Like, Joel Embiid is having a great season. He's having an MVP type of season. Going out there, and he's like, just game after game where he's dropping 38, 33, 41, 45... 38, 39. I mean, he is go- he's going bananas. I mean, he's going crazy. I mean, he is a nutcase. I mean, Maxie's having a heck of a season. He dropped 50 early on. I mean, those two, Maxie and Embiid, 
and then with to sprinkle in Tobias Harris are having great seasons. Last night, Embiid had 33. The night before, he had 36. What can you say? What can you say? The guy is a winner in the regular season, but he needs to show up in the playoffs because at the end of the day, no one gives a damn. No one gives a damn. Charles Barkley, one of my favorite players ever, historical players, funny on TV, but is he more known for, for TNT or is he more known for basketball? He never won a championship. He had a good season or a good career, but he never won a championship. I don't want to see Joel Embiid be one of his players that never wins a ring. Because let's go back to last season when he won MVP, broke through, made a big, he was making a big deal. In the end of that Boston Celtics series, he was at minus 28 in that game seven. Remember that game seven on the road at Celtics when they got shellacked in the third quarter? It was like 38 to 10. James Harden didn't show up either. He had nine. But Embiid was 15 points, one assist, 10, eight rebounds. Unacceptable. I said it the next day, that was a bunch of BS. That performance from Joel Embiid was embarrassing. The year before, he flamed out against the Miami Heat. Big game, 20 points. 17 points the game before. I mean, the Miami Heat punked them. There's no more excuses. Like, if we're going to treat these players fairly, because we bashed LeBron, everyone bashed LeBron until he won a ring. Everyone bashed Kevin Durant until he won a ring. Everyone bashed Giannis until he won a ring. People continue. I talked about it yesterday. They continue, people continue to bash Jokic when he's won back-to-back MVP, finals MVP, won a championship, dominates. <laughs> people still disrespect him. He still hasn't earned the respect he deserves. Joel Embiid gets way more respect from the sports media. And I, I think he's a great player. He's really good, but playoff time, can you get your team to the Eastern Conference? Do I believe they can beat the Miami Heat in a seven-game series? I don't know because they haven't done it. With the current Miami Heat, with the way they've been playing the last couple of years of getting to the finals, no, I don't know because they haven't done it. Until I see otherwise, it's hard for me to buy into the 76ers. Do I believe they can beat the Bucs? I know the Bucs had a... They're still bad on defense. They gave up a... They, they had outshoot the Pistons last night, 141-135. to 135. Not a good look. But do I believe they can even beat them in a seven-game series? I would still pick the Bucs. Celtics would be a toss-up. Yeah, they're both... They both have... I don't always trust Jason Tatum. The only teams that the 76ers would be a sure thing against would be the Pacers, 
They could definitely beat them. The Pacers, I believe, are a fun team. They're going to be a fun regular season team the rest of the way. Playoff time, they're, they could maybe win a series somehow, a playing game. They're not competing for the championship. The, but, like, if I'm going to be real, I got, I'm not picking them. Maybe not even against the Knicks. The Knicks are playing tough. They're playing good. That could be a seven-game series and go either way. But I got to see Joel B do it. I know how great he is during the regular season. He deserves it. He deserves his props for what he's done. But if we're going to be consistent on how we grade these players, how we critique these players, show up in the playoffs. Because year after year after year, Joel Embiid underperforms. And there's always an excuse while he was sick, while he was hurt, this and that. No. I'm sick of the excuses. I'm sick of it. Tyrese Maxey and him are playing very, very good. Get it done in the playoffs. Show up in the playoffs. Get your team to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't want to hear like no more of this getting whacked in the in the second round. No more of it. I'm sick of it. I want to see you get it done. Like you're known as your nickname, the process more than winning. Listen, I'm not trying to sit here this morning and shit on Joel Embiid. But come on, man. I've seen you have great regular season performances, but it never translates when the calendar changes to April, May, and June. It never has. It never has. When you show up in that time, when you get your team to the Eastern Conference Finals, then come back and talk to me. Because I said it before, I said I said it a couple weeks ago, I, over and over again. Joel Embiid, if they don't get it done in Philadelphia this season, the playoffs, he could be very well to be demanding a trade coming up this summer. And the Knicks are lurking in the shadows. They're getting ready, potentially, for that. That's why they signed and traded for OG Ananobi. They're thinking long-term. Joel Embiid. So, Joel Embiid has a lot to think about, and the 76ers have a lot to think about and the moves they make. I believe they've got to make one more move, and I believe that move could be involving Tobias Harris. I know Tobias Harris is playing well, and his stock is at an all-time high. I think if you're the 76ers, you think, hmm, can Tobias Harris play any better than what he is right now, than what he's doing right now? Probably not, and he hasn't shown a, a great track record of being consistent. What about we trade him? And maybe get a couple pieces to build around Maxi and Embiid. But Joel Embiid individually 
needs to show up. He needs to show up. Come playoff time, I don't want to hear the excuses. Like, it's always been Doc Rivers' fault. It was Brett Brown's fault. It was Jimmy Butler's fault. It's been other guys' faults. I don't want to hear it. Joel Embiid, get it done. Even if they don't make a move, Tobias Harris, like I said, is playing very well. 18 points a game on average. They are a tough team. I believe come playoff time, they could potentially make some noise. They are definitely talented with Maxi, the way he's playing, and Embiid and what he can do. If that can be translated to the playoffs, they could very, very easily, very well, make the finals, the Eastern Conference Finals. They should. They should definitely be in the conversation. It's just difficult to take them serious when they continuously fail. Like, you had an opportunity to slam the narrative down last year against the Celtics, and I know I keep pointing to it, but it's relevant because it just happened. You had a chance, and you blew it. You choked. You won in the game seven and looked like it was a game in the middle of January, like you weren't interested. You need to get ready for the playoffs and start prepping that mentality of getting it done. How? Why is it so hard to ask guys to show up in the playoffs? That's where you make your money. You prepare, you get ready the whole offseason, you get ready during the season, you improve during the season for the moment of getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you prepare for. That's what you prepare for every game. That's what you do your entire career. Why is that so hard? And it's frustrating. Because you see the talent from Joel Embiid. You see it. No one denies it. But like I said at the beginning, when you think about these star players, when you think about leaders in the NBA, the top players historically, Shaq, Kareem, even at just at the center position, they all won championships. Jokic, even. Back-to-back MVPs, won a championship. Shaq won MVP. Should have won more MVPs. He won the championship. He won multiple championships. Tim Duncan, he was a power forward, but slash center. He won championships. He won MVP, but he got it done too. Giannis, power forward, slash, you know, center, whatever you want to call it nowadays. Like most guys, I mean, it's, it's always, people always get in yelling matches about what position guys play. Whatever. Giannis got it done. One Broke through, won a championship. I was doubtful. MB, just get it done. Why is it so hard for that to be delivered? Why is it so hard? It shouldn't be that hard. 
the talent's there. You just need to not melt in these big moments. And he has shown a re a a a, a repeat after repeat of not showing up enough, not showing up big time in big moments. When his team needs him the most, he doesn't show up all of the time. He needs to get it done. When we when, when we get to the playoffs, I don't want to hear any more excuses about this happened, this didn't happen. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And no one else wants to hear it either. Because it should be Joel Embiid's time. It should be. We're on time. We are around that time. And he hasn't delivered on that. So it's up to Joel Embiid. How do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered as the guy that just won a bunch of games in the regular season and won MVP a few times? Or do you want to be known as a winner? Do you want to be known as a championship player, not some guy that flamed out? So it's up to him. It's up to Joel Embiid what he wants to be remembered as. And if he's all about winning, he starts playing like it. Because he can get it done on the 76ers. He doesn't have to go to the Knicks. I'm just predicting what I believe could be happening and what people have brought up. It very well could happen this upcoming summer. So, I'm just saying. Don't be shocked if he demands the trade to the Knicks. That would be deadly. That would be deadly for the Eastern Conference. But... Until he shows that he can break through and get it done in the playoffs and play at a high level consistently, it's going to be hard for me to buy in. And that's sad to say because I'm a huge Joel Embiid. I think his talent is without question. But his mental toughness and playoff toughness and mentality, I question. So, good win this week, but... Do it. Get the wins in the playoffs. That's what matters. All right. So switching gears here to the Lakers. Can they turn their season around? And the Lakers to me are just frustrating. (laughs) 21 and 22. They are currently out of the playoffs. If it were to start today, they're in trouble. They are in some trouble. They lost Friday night to the Brooklyn Nets, who are average, 130-112. Anthony Davis showed up, had 26 points, pretty efficient, 9 for 13. LeBron had a bad game, 9 for 22, 24 points. Ugh. Russell wasn't very good. Reeves, nine points. Like, you know, I said it heading into the season. That the Lakers are, if you if you just look at it, talented talent wise, with the way they can play, like they are a playoff team. Like they are built like a playoff team. But when it comes to regular seasons, since LeBron 
have been with the Lakers, they have had some issues in the regular season. They they and 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 it's carried over to the playoffs. Like they for some reason cannot figure it out. Now I'm not saying, and I said it over and over again. This roster is not great by any stretch. I think it's a little overrated. But there's no way they should be the 10 seed. They are in the they're in the play-in. Like they're better than the Jazz. They're better than the Kings. They're better than the Pelicans. This is inexcusable. And LeBron and AD are playing very well. But they are getting blown out. They got blown out by the Suns recently. How to outshoot the Raptors who are tanking. Davis at 41 uh, and 11. He had a big game. This team right now, I, I don't know. Th- th- this is weird to me. This is weird. Because I've always said that they should trade for Kyrie Irving. Because he would, he would, because that's what they need. When you compare them to the Denver Nuggets, and that's how we compared them heading in, that was a, it was a sweep against the Nuggets last season. But they were all in close games, and they just needed a little push on offense. They just needed a push. Kyrie Irving could definitely. Provide them that. They definitely need to make that move. And to me, I believe it comes down to effort. These guys got to play better. Because when we saw them in that NBA Cup championship, and you can downplay it all you want, which is why I call this team a team built for the playoffs, not the regular season. Davis had 41, 16 of 24. LeBron was efficient, 24 points. D'Angelo Russell was efficient. He made plays. Reeves had a big game, 28. When you get that production, they can win. But can you get that in a seven-game series? Based on how these guys are playing, Prince has been disappointing. Russell's not been consistent enough. Austin Reeves. I mean, everyone made a big deal about him. Like the sports media this summer, and this just confused me why this was happening. He got so much praise. Like they, people were flipping out, saying he was he could be a Chris Bosh type of player. I heard some. I heard people saying that. People were saying he could be the third wheel in a big three. No way. And they were like, the Lakers got to steal. No, I don't believe winning teams wanted him. And Austin Reed's on a podcast, I don't remember which one, he said the Spurs wanted him. The Bucks, the Miami Heat, Celtics, Nuggets, teams that are competing, they didn't want him. And this is the big money guy that everyone tried pushing. Against the Brooklyn Nets on Friday, he had 9 points, 4 for 12, 0 for 6 from 3. Against the Mavericks a couple nights ago, 14 points, 6 for 8. Not bad. But then he got a 3 for 10 game against the Raptors, 11 points, 8 points. Against the Clippers, 2 for 5. Mm. 
This is the guy that you're talking about? Nine points against the Timberwolves? Two for 11? Not good. That's not what you need. That's not a third wheel. That's not a Chris Bosch type of player. You kidding me? Let's don't trick ourselves. And th this is what we did. Or this is what some of you people did. Some of you people went off the damn deep end. Tried to pipe up Austin Reeves. Because LeBron liked him. Stop it. Stop it. He's a decent player. He should be a six man. And that's what he's turned into. Mostly. He was never a third wheel on a big three. That was the biggest bunch of... Like, that was so stupid. That was so stupid that I had to come on here week after week after week and shut that down and I'm still having to do it. I still hear people on these giant-ass networks talking about <laughs> Austin Reeves, baby. He's that guy. He's coming. He's a guy that's going to get you 20 points one night. Maybe a, a 30 burger. Then he'll, but then he'll turn around and get you 9 points. So stop acting like he's some game changer. Some franchise changing player. He's not. So stop trying to make it. Trying to make him Austin Reeves. Into something he's not. Which is a third wheel superstar. Gosh. that That is so frustrating to me. Stop trying to make lemonade with garbage. Stop it. I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of it. Like the Lakers, they need to make a trade for Kyrie Irving. And they got to find a way. And the Mavericks are kind of falling down the tracks a little bit. They're, they were in the top three seed and now they're what, number six? They're 24 and 18. Kyrie Irving, I get it. He's weird, has he's a conspiracy theory nut, anti-vaccine, all this other stuff. But regardless of what you think about him, flat earth, that nonsense, he can believe what he wants, but man, on the basketball court, his numbers have not changed. He can still play. He's still a magician with the basketball. He has it on a yo-yo. He's a baller. He can hit big shots. He's a scoring machine. And that's what the Lakers need. And I know Kyrie, Kyrie's had issues. He had issues in vibes in Brooklyn. He had issues with the Celtics. He had issues when he demanded out of Cleveland. He threatened to have knee surgery. I'm going to sit out the whole year and have knee surgery if you don't trade me. He did that. He did that. But where was he on his best behavior? And that was with LeBron when they won the NBA Finals in that comeback 3-1 fashion. Historical. Draymond gave him some help. But nevertheless, they got it done. They won three straight games and made history. They still had to go out and win the games. And LeBron and Kyrie, you cannot convince me with Anthony Davis. If they if they can keep those three, which I believe they could because I don't believe the Mavericks with the Mark Cuban situation with I don't know what that is. But with his future in limbo with the organization, he's selling off stock and whatever else and responsibilities. He's not on Shark Tank anymore. 
Kyrie to the Lakers, that could work. They could legitimately get back in the race because right now they're just old and slow. Anthony Davis and LeBron can't do it by themselves. They're playing very good. I demanded that Anthony Davis show up and get it done, show up to work every day, and he's doing it. He's doing what we want him to do. He's doing what guys like Jokic does. The last couple of games, I know they lost against the Nets, but 26, 28, 27, 41, 22, 31, 29. He's been playing good the last couple of months. When people start calling him out, calling him out, he showed up and did his job. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, right on schedule, the rest of the team, which I said was not it was not perfect. It was not perfect. People made it I mean Cam Reddish is not bad. Hachimura has it's there, but he's not a championship player. That bench, I agree, needs to be uh, better. But I don't know what all you can really do to fix it. Because the Lakers are limited. That's an expensive team. I know there's the Zach Levine move. I'm not a big Zach Levine guy. I don't believe he's a winner. He's never been a winner with the Chicago Bulls. Was not a the Timberwolves. Before they got Anthony Edwards and their current uh their current uh, current regime over there, they weren't winning. They weren't winning either. He's not a winning player. He can score, but I believe he's not a he's not a game changer. He's not like Kyrie. Kyrie can change the fortune of the Lakers. Him and LeBron know how to I know it's been a couple of years, but they know how to play together. With Anthony Davis, and I know the risk you're taking with Kyrie in the locker room, it's still a risk. But also, Kyrie, from a health standpoint, can he stay healthy? He's been banged up the last couple of years. He's not getting any younger either. So the Lakers need to make a move. And I know everyone doesn't want to make the Kyrie Irving move. But I think if you want to maximize your time with LeBron and squash these rumors that he's leaving L.A., which I don't believe he is, like leaving L.A. for where? I don't believe he's going to the Knicks. His son plays for the for U, for USC right down the road. He has no reason to leave. He's involved in making movies and entertainment. Why would he leave? The only place that I could reasonably see him go back to is Cleveland because it's home. Other than that, I don't. He's not going back to Miami. He's not going to Houston. He's not going to the, the, to the 76ers. He's not going to the Celtics. I don't believe he's leaving at all. And the whole this whole notion that Bronny's going to go to the NBA, he's not getting drafted. Now he he also had the health issue. Maybe that impacted. But even before that, I was like, yeah, I don't think so. He's not not that good. He's he's an, oh he's gonna be an okay college player at best. If he gets drafted, if he gets to the NBA, it's gonna be because his dad is LeBron, which is okay, whatever. 
Giannis has his two brothers on his team that probably shouldn't be on the team. <laughs> they probably shouldn't be in the NBA. I, I don't even like. I don't know. I don't. I mean, I, no disrespect. They can probably play. They can d- beat me up in a YMCA. Definitely Bronny also, but they're not NBA caliber players. So, and we've seen it before in other fields. Parents, if they're kids in the same field, they usually try to get them a job. So, whatever. Or siblings, you know, it happens. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. But the Lakers need to turn their season around. Because if they don't, if they stand pat and continue on this path that they're currently on, they will barely make the plan tournament. And that's not a good, that's horrible. That's horrible to think about. LeBron James in the play-in tournament? It's so weird because they won the championship in 2020 in the bubble. And they are one of the teams from the bubble because everyone was like, oh, will this translate? The Miami Heat translated. The Celtics translated. The Nuggets translated. A lot of the Suns translated for the most part. A lot of his teams translated from the bubble to outside of it. And the Lakers have not. They've gone downhill. They've gone backwards. I know it's controversial for some, but if you're going to make a move, if you want to be taken serious as NBA championship contenders, you got to plunge and pull the trigger and trade for Kyrie Irving. Final way to keep Anthony Davis, I believe you can make it work. You're the Lakers. But they are not a greatly run franchise, but if they want to get something done, it's like anything else. It's like corporations, the government, they if they want to they if they want something done, they will pull some strings and they will get it done. If LeBron wants Kyrie Irving, which I believe he does deep inside, they will get it done. You're not convincing me otherwise. You're just not. You're just not. Anyone that tries to tell you LeBron has no say in the franchise decision-making department, BS. (laughs) Total BS. Don't buy it. All right, so switching gears. The Phoenix Suns are currently 23-18, the eighth seed in the West. They're on a four-game win streak, seven out of three in their last ten. And, you know, I'm a huge Kevin Durant fan. I love Kevin Durant. I believe he's a superstar. I know a lot of people don't like his personality, and quite frankly, I don't like some of it either. And it kind of turns you off a little bit. He's prickly. But, man, a guy that can go out there and score in such an... He's so fun to watch. He's efficient. The way he plays, it's smooth. And he's always, like, even despite the injuries the last couple of years, he never changes. He's still the tarantula. He still can go out there and dominate a team, dominate a game. I mean, his points 
have been ridiculous this season. And he's getting up there in age too. I mean, he's Kevin Durant's not getting any younger. I mean, we talk about LeBron and his age. Kevin Durant's getting up there. I mean, the dude's 35 years old. And he's still going out there. Like Here's his last couple of games. He had 26 against the Pelicans the other night. Against the Kings, 27. He had 30 against the Clippers. He had 31 against the Magic. I mean, then he had earlier in the year a big 40-point game. I mean, the guy is playing at a top top level. He came out of the gate dropping uh, 39 against the Lakers. He had a big game. So he's had a big season. And Devin, same with the Lakers. I like the Suns. I mean, Devin Booker, the fun player. Kevin Durant, fun player. Championship player. He showed it with the Warriors. Kind of carry the Warriors. Devin Booker, scoring machine. Do I think he can do it by himself? Do I think he's a solo act like, do I, do I believe he can go to a franchise and alone and win a championship? No. I don't know if he... I think he likes his celebrity more than winning. That's my just outsider view of him. But the guy can score. I mean, he had, he had 52 Friday night. He scored 70-plus in the game. I'm not saying he can't score. But the Suns... Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, I know he's been banged up, and he's finally, we think, it's been short-lived spurts. We believe that Bradley Beal is going to be able to play the rest of the season. He played Friday at 13. He had a big 37 outburst uh, a couple weeks ago against the Lakers. He's getting his legs back underneath him. But Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, there's been rumblings about KD being unhappy, guys being unhappy. They need to make this work. They all three wanted to play together. Make it work. Make it work. Like, I said it a couple weeks ago, Kevin Durant, you wanted this. You wanted out of the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, like, you wanted vibes in Brooklyn. You followed Kyrie over there. You got James Harden there. They were going smooth. And then, boom, stuff went sideways because of Kyrie. He wouldn't get the vaccine. You know, all of his other stuff, stuff he couldn't really control. Kevin Durant. And he, he sort of get a, he, he got a mulligan for that. Any other player, if that, that was LeBron, people would have hammered, hammered him for it. But KD got a bit of a pass. You're, the Phoenix Suns are paying a shit ton of money. They're paying Kevin Durant $47 million this year, 51 next year, 54 the year after that. Bradley Beal, 46 this year, 50 next year, 53 the year after that. And then they have an option, a player option, Beal does for 2026, 57 million. Devin Brooker, you got him locked up for a long time. You got him locked up until 2028. 
where it goes from 36 million this year, the 2027-2028 season, 61 million. And three guys. And listen, is this roster great? No, it's not. Nurkic, not my favorite center. Grayson Allen, I know he's been playing good the last couple of games. Dropping 23, 30. Can you trust that? Can you trust that in a seven-game series? I don't. I don't trust it. Do you trust Eric Gordon? I know he's been kind of sour the last couple of weeks. Do I trust him? Now when he's sour, the Seer Little, yeah, he's okay. I, you know, people get excited about him. He's fine. I don't trust him in a playoff game, in a playoff series. Josh Okogie, I've seen it over and over again. Last year, he had one good game and everyone lost their damn mind, and he was horrible. And that series against the Nuggets? Like, this is basically the same situation the Suns were in after trading for KD last year. This time last year, and they pulled the trigger. They got the new owner, Matt Ishbia, who's a gunslinger. He's a plunger. He's a spend the money, damn the torpedoes. When you ran up against the Nuggets, even against the Clippers in the first round, it was a six-game series. Paul George and Kawhi were out, injured. Kawhi played the first two games, and then he was done. Paul George was out. You let Russell Westbrook keep that series competitive, and they took KD, Devin Booker, and a limping Chris Paul to finish them off. And then you go against the Nuggets, and sure, again, it was six games, and people were like, oh, it was a close series, and not really. They won the two games, and that, that KD and Devin Booker had to score a million points. It wasn't like some well-oiled machine that they were just running through the playoffs and killing teams. No, they weren't. They were out shooting them. They had to outshoot the Clippers about their two best players. They were not just cruising through the playoffs. Like, I don't know where that fantasy narrative came from, but it's ridiculous. These three guys wanted this. They need to make it work. I don't, like, I, I just went over the, their numbers, their financial situation. Not ideal. <laughs> not ideal. When you're a top-heavy team, that's now not how you can win in the NBA. The Bucks, they're not great on defense, but they're a loaded team. They're deep. They're deep. Vibes in Brooklyn, that was the problem. When KD got two vibes in Brooklyn with Kyrie, they had a loaded team. They had Karis LeVert. They had um, Spencer Dinwiddie. They had all these guys that could play. Joe Harris before he couldn't shoot anymore. They had a loaded, deep team. They gutted all of it when they traded for James Harden. And look at that. People were like, oh, what happened to them? The Suns had a loaded team. This is almost like Carmelo going from the Denver Nuggets to the Knicks. He's like, where everyone go? Well, we had to trade everyone to get you. KD thought he was going to get Mikael Bridges. Uh, he's in Brooklyn. Cam Johnson is in Brooklyn. 
He's not with the Suns anymore. They're gone. They need to make it work. They've made it work the last couple of games, but come playoff time, do I believe the Phoenix Suns, if I had to be honest, if you had to put me on a lie detector, if, you had to, if I had to choose my fate on what to do, would I pick the Suns in a series against the Clippers? I don't know. I, I, would, I would have to go with the Clippers. If they're, the Clippers are healthy, I would have to go with the Clippers. Because the Suns, again, is Bradley Beal going to be healthy? Are they going to play defense? Because they're giving up 114 points a game. They're not very good on the road. They're 12 and 11 at home, and they're 11 and 7 on the road. They're not. They're not consistent. Now maybe they could very well build some chemistry over the next couple of weeks before the playoffs. The next couple of months. Maybe they'll look like a well-oiled machine, but I don't know. I don't even know if they can beat the Thunder. Like I don't know. I don't. I don't have the Thunder winning a, the championship, but that could be a seven-game series. The Timberwolves. They could probably beat them, outshoot them, but they're in for a dogfight. And even against the Mavericks, if Kyrie stays around Luca, the Kings. The Kings are kind of falling off. They're a little disappointing this season, but. They're still a dangerous team. They can still they, they can score the basketball. They can't play any defense either. But when they go up against these teams like the Wolves that can play some defense, the Nuggets that can play some defense, if the Pelicans continue to get it get their act together, the Suns are in earn for a dogfight, and right now they gotta fight for the playoffs. They're the eighth seed. They are in the playing tournament right now. And Katie, Devin, Devin Booker, and the Bradley Beal. This does not work. They can't blow it up. Katie, you, you can't be moving around. Like, if this doesn't work, if you blow it up and you demand a trade, if you end up getting traded at the trade downline and some bombshell, shocking trade, I have to blame him for this. Because you wanted to be with the Phoenix Suns. They were on your list. The Brooklyn Nets honored that. Dame wanted to go to Miami Heat. And the Blazers were like, we're not going to do it. Like, we're not sending you there. We're sending you to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Nets sent you to where you wanted to go. And you wanted to be with Bradley Beal and Devin Booker. Make it work. I don't want to hear about these rumors that he might demand a trade or he might leave or what. No, you're not. You can't leave. You wanted this. You wanted this. You can't abandon it and say, ah, I'm done. No, you're not good. You're not good. You got to stick this out and live with the consequences of what happens. You can't just blow it up and throw your hands up and say, I'm, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. No, I'm not going to accept that. I can't let, if I'm going to bash these other players, that do that, that quit or criticize guys for not being a winner or being Mr. Two-Face and saying, I am I am a winner when you're not, when you're not even close to one. 
Amaka, I can't let you get, I can't give passes for that. And I would not be able to give KD a pass for quitting for another situation that he's, that he helped organize blow up in their face. I'm not going to let him get away with it. And I can't. No one should. No one should. I'm not letting Kevin Durant get away with another situation not working out and bolting to another team. First off, it would be a weird career arc. And it could very well happen. People say, oh, that's not going to happen. Well, we all thought vibes in Brooklyn was going to last forever. Lasted for a cup of coffee. Went very long. It was a one-night stand. Bam, out of here. It needs to work out. It needs to work out. It's like any other job, field, other aspects of life. If people start noticing you're moving around to a different company every other every every other year, every couple months, <laughs> maybe you're the problem. Not saying Katie has any issues, but at some point, if you keep moving around, make me maybe your basketball IQ of in terms of smart decision making is not the best. Maybe you need to have a better agent. I don't know. Vibes in Brooklyn, it didn't work out. You left the Golden State. Like, Katie's all about just playing basketball. He's not a leader. He says he's not. That's fine. People can admit that. The perfect place for that was the Golden State Warriors. And maybe the Warriors in the long run still needed Kevin Durant and vice versa. It was a match made in heaven. In basketball, NBA heaven, it was a match. And it worked. It fit like a glove. Like I've never seen a team add a superstar with egos. I mean, I know it crashed and burned when Draymond called him the B-word. Thank you very much, Draymond. But it worked. It worked. And it worked at a very, very high level. And maybe, maybe it should have lasted longer, but if the media wasn't so hawkish and trying to get Kevin Durant out of there, they were mad he joined the Golden State Warriors. They were livid. It was ridiculous. Like, it was blatantly in your face because they were trying to get him to go to the Knicks. They, they were getting him out of here. It didn't matter where. <laughs> All right, so switching gears here to our last topic of the day. Should the Miami Heat make a trade? Should they trade for Donovan Mitchell? I've heard this rumor recently. And not a chance this should happen. I know Donovan Mitchell has a reputation. He has that 70-point game he hit last year. He's having a great season this year. He's sixth in the league in scoring at 28 a game. He's a scoring machine. He is definitely a scoring machine. I'm not going to doubt that. Not going to sit here and pretend that Donovan Mitchell can't play basketball. But when you join a team like the Miami Heat that's made the finals the last couple of years, 
that's been in championship contention, Eastern Conference Finals. They're a serious organization. That's what they are. They're not in like they're not in the business now. They've always made every team makes bad decisions once in a while. They've made some bad contract decisions. There is the ramifications of going all in for the big three era. But the Miami Heat never really make nothing sticks out in your head a bad contract outside of Hassan Whiteside, who was already in house. That was one of the mistakes, and they haven't really done they haven't done that since then. Donovan Mitchell, in my opinion, the Miami Heat are trying to break through one a championship. Donovan Mitchell's not a championship player. I understand he has a hundred and sixty three million dollar contract. Does that like if you add him to this team and no telling what you would have to trade? Is that worth it in the playoffs? Does that make the Miami Heat like if that would probably involve Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, probably first round pick and someone else? Is that worth it, Donovan Mitchell? You want a Dame? That's different. Dame's a different player. He's a better player than Donovan Mitchell. I mean, Donovan Mitchell. I know it's not all his fault, but he's viewed as a superstar. There, he's 18 and 26 in the playoffs in his career. His whole time with the Jazz, he flamed out again and again and again. Came up short in the bubble against um, Jamal Murray. He's come up short again with the, against the Knicks last year. He was disappointing. That team had a good year. They're flashy, they're fun, but they got run off the court. They got run off the court against the Mavericks in its last year of the Jazz. I mean, just again and again and again, just disappointing. Against the Clippers in 2020, 2021, had a 2-0 lead and blew it. Lost four straight. It's not good. Not good at all. And when these bad performances continuously add up in the playoffs, when you're just known as the scorer, like when we think of Donovan Mitchell, and I and I used to, I'm, I think he's talented. I don't hate the guy. I don't dislike him. But if we think of the top players in the league, I'm not putting him in there. Like he's not in the conversation with like Kevin Durant or even SGA. Or Anthony Edwards, not even close. I mean, well, not, not he's he's not that far, but he's not in that discussion with them right now. He's just a scorer, like he's more closer to Zach Levine than he is to like Anthony Edwards or Shea Gilgis Alexander, and that's just and that is just a fact. And I don't know if people try to put him up there with some of these top players and all of this, but he's not there. He's not that type of player. And I think just because guys can score and in today's NBA, they, everyone can score for the most part. If you can, if you have a jump shot, you can score just because you have a jump shot doesn't make you a great player. And I believe that sort of, it gets lost. You can't let it get lost. And your playoff resume, it speaks for itself. 
I mean, 18 and 26 in the playoffs speaks for itself. It is what it is. People can say it's unfair. I'm being too critical, whatever. But what you do in the big moments matters. We can't just ignore it when we want to. Just can't. So, all righty. Swinging it back to the Chargers to wrap it up here. Jim Harbaugh will announce reportedly late later on this week what he's going to do. All of these signs publicly known is that he's going to be the Chargers head coach. There's been some, I mean, based on some of the interviews, there's been guys that I could definitely see. I could be a coordinator, like Steve Wilkes, D coordinator maybe in the future. David Shaw as the offensive coordinator, he was interviewed. There's a lot of potential options. I think the backup option, the best option if we're staying in line with what we need, which is mentality, toughness, and consistency, Mike Vrabel would be the best second option if Jim Harbaugh stays in college or whatever. But I believe we're going to get him. I believe we'll find out later this week. And we should all hope. Hopefully, I hope this doesn't happen. I don't want Bill Belichick. I don't want Dan Quinn. And I don't want a first-time head coach. We need someone that understands how to lead and run a football team. Not some guy that's learning on the fly. We don't have time for that. This is an expensive team. Got a quarterback. Let's go. All righty. That is it for this edition of Opinions All Day. I will see you guys next time.